0: Welcome back to Blitz. You're with Nash. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty damn keen for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's just around the corner. And today I'm speaking with a festival favourite whose massive run of shows from the 30th of March to the 23rd of April at Melbourne Town Hall are already selling out. So she had to announce another one just for us here in Sydney at the Enmore on the 1st of July. You can tell I'm pretty excited Ursula Carlson joins me on the line right now. Ursula, how are you?
1: I'm Mike. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm
0: very good. Very, very good. Um, so, Ursula, thank you very much for taking the time out to uh, chat to us this hour. I know you're going to be appearing on Channel 10's The Project this evening. Um, so I was just wondering, do you have any uh, pre-game rituals before you get into the zone, before you hop onto live TV? Is there any sort of uh, tricks of the trade? I, uh, I always make sure that I
1: double-check myself in the morass because you know you don't want to leave any buttons undone, and then you accidentally share a lot more side boob than you were prepared for. <laughs> um, it's always you know sort of as those it, it, unplanned nudity shots um, that will catch you off guard. You know, I mean, yeah, it sells tickets. I mean, fake sells, but <laughs> you, know, <it's> kinda <laughs> you just want to make sure you, you've got the right boob in the in the shot. That's all.
0: Right, 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 right. Well I mean, yeah, you're right, sex does sell. You definitely put some bums on seats, but um, it has to be prepared, I suppose. You have to think that through in advance. Yeah. It? Yeah, the otherwise the system, yeah, no,
1: you don't want to accidentally see something, you know, people people are having dinner that's time at night. No, I I do get a bit nervous before I go out. Um, you know, obviously and if it's live television even more so I'm like, mm. Do not sweet. Do not sweet. Do not say something that'll embarrass yourself or your mum. That's the kind of stuff. (laughs) I give myself a massive pep talk before I go out.
0: Okay, so do you face in the mirror, remind yourself of what your mum is going to think, not to swear, that sort of thing? Okay.
1: Yeah, man. It's like a full team talk. Smack myself in the face a few times. Go, go and get them, tiger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, Ursula, I I think um, it seems to me that many comedians have had former careers as, I know, uh, actors or lawyers. Um, but your comedy origins are a little bit different. Uh, how, can you tell us how does one go from an advertising career in South Africa to being a New Zealand based international stand up comedian? How does how does that work?
1: <laughs> yeah, that that does sound a bit like if somebody had to me ten years ago, you'd um, you'd leave advertising and just do stand up comedy. I think they're out of their mind, but. Um, it, you know what, it, it, it all comes down to enjoying the drinks trolley too much, um, <laughs> and not being able to resist peer pressure, because I was working at an ad agency in New Zealand, I had just moved over from South Africa, mm-hmm. and all of my mates at work would go, you're very funny, you should do stand-up comedy, and I'd mm. go, no thanks, I'm already nailing life with a really good job. And they go, no, no, you should do stand-up. And then I left one agency to go over to a different agency, and mm-hmm. they had signed me up for this open mic night. Um, and they had booked it in, and they had booked seats for 70 of them. I know, I know. That's another step <laughs> up sure. Like we They've taken it next level. Not just said you should. Wow. actually, we've done it. And I thought, you know what? It's only five minutes of talking. I can do that. I've been talking for years. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I thought, yeah, sure. I, they made this little fake contract and I signed it and we all went along the Monday night. Oh, my God. I, I know. It was on St. Patrick's Day. And um, I signed the thing and I went in and I did the Azamite night and... It was the most nerve-wracking thing I'd ever done in my life. I thought I was going to be the mic stand. It was really terrifying. <laughs> but, you know, I did it, and at the end of it, we all had a few drinks, and we were laughing, and, um, you know, other comics were coming up and going, wow, how long have you been doing stand-up? I go, I'm not a stand-up. Get away from me. Um, <laughs> the, the next day, I got a call from the owner of the club. Yeah. To say the, you know, congratulations, you're through to the next round. And I went, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, it's the raw Quest where they look for new talent every year. They do that, and uh, I'd actually made it through to the next round. I'm, I was now in the quarterfinals. I'm like, oh my god, oh, wow. to do that! Like, I've been advertising. This is the worst thing. coming this, this interesting.
0: So, so you got through the first five minutes. You sit down and think, oh, thank God that's over. Yeah. But then you yeah. get the call the next day. Oh wait, there's more
1: one of those ultra marathon runners if you just <laughs> ran 100 kilometers let's do it again tomorrow oh no get away from me so I, I said him, no 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 I don't want to do the stand up like this sort of thing for me um, and he goes no but you should come back you should give yourself the opportunity to give it and I'm a firm believer in taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way that's how you avoid living with regret mm. so I was like oh okay Mm. And then I, he said to me, you were very funny. Everyone was laughing. I said, "My everyone was laughing because I knew 70 people in the audience. <laughs> 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 and
0: and it's sort like of, yeah, that's stacking the deck in your favor, isn't it? You've got 70 of your mates behind you who put you I up know. for it as well. But that's great, though. That's, that's cool. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. No, but then he said, you know what? Well, I was in the audience. I laughed. I don't know you. Yeah. I said, hmm, good mm. point. And if you come back, do it again, don't bring in every mate. So I went back. I didn't tell anyone that I was going back. I just went back by myself, mm-hmm. um, like starting an affair with comedy. And, um, yeah, I was hooked. At the end of that second show, I was just absolutely hooked. Mm. And people just kept booking me for gigs. And about a year after I did my first other my Night, I just, I had to give up advertising, because my boss said to me, has to choose. It's either advertising or comedy. Mm. And well, we're not we're not talking because how, of how I'm nailing it and advertising, are
0: we? That <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, was that? Wow. Well, so I guess the moral of the story is that peer pressure works. I mean, if anything,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, have thought your mum was wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was right to start smoking. That was wonderful. So <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I will jump off a bridge.
0: <laughs> I'm just wondering. Do you remember? Because I mean. Obviously, your friends recognised that you were funny, but was there ever a moment that you first recognised in yourself that you were funny or at least had this um, above-average ability to make other people laugh?
1: Um, I remember my first ever joke. My mum gave it to me. I didn't know it was a joke until after I said it and then I realised I just made a joke. I made people laugh. Um, Mm. And I... I enjoyed the reaction. I I I think from that moment I just kinda of craved it forever. I was in primary school and my parents had split up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um I was in South Africa and we lived in an area that was very religious and you know and I went to a Christian school and mm. teachers would always go, This is in the you know, late seventies and mm-hmm. people would always go, Your parents are divorced you know, like, how does that happen kind of thing? Like, those was like mm. was a mug. Mm. And I, I would say to my mom, you know, all the teachers always want to know why you split up. She goes, all right, if anybody asks you again why your parents are getting divorced, you say, because your mother really wanted to be a widow, but your dad wouldn't drink the poison. <laughs> and, I, and I said, okay. Like I just thought
0: that was real. was a thing. And so, how old were you at this point? How old were you that you?
1: Oh, I was about seven.
0: Ah, oh, so you didn't realize it was a joke, and then
1: I had no idea. Oh my so, god! So, <laughs> the next day in class, the teacher said to me, "Like, I, you couldn't have scripted it better." This teacher said to me because I was new in the school.
0: Oh no! we
1: had we'd moved, and she had gone. Uh, Where are you from? So I said where we had moved from, and she goes. Uh, why are you in the school all of a sudden? You know, because from kindy that all goes, I know go, our oh, my parents are getting a abortion. She goes, Divorce! Why would they get divorced? Because <laughs> uh, my mum really wanted to be a widow, but my dad wouldn't drink the poison, and <laughs> she just lost her mind. <laughs> uh, and as soon as it goes up, she ran next door, she grabbed the teacher, she said, tell him, tell him. Uh. <laughs> And I told him to, and I was like, but of course I could never sell it the way I sold it the first time. Oh, so man. can't believe that joke. Oh. But then after that, I was like, that is it. I, I say something and they laugh, and mm. I try to recreate that. Yeah. So now, because I wrote a book last year called Rolling with a Punchline, and I, I sort of had to, you know, when people go, how, how did you know? And I, looking back, I thought, that was it. That
0: was my first time. Wow, excellent. Well, I'm glad you brought up the book. Um, I was just about to ask you about that. Um, And also, on the point of South Africa as well, all that I know of South African culture has come from another comedian's biography, so Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. I read that recently as well. Um, I was just wondering, so, uh, I mean, I know that as a comedian your job is to make observations about your life and then make it funny for, for an audience, but what made you think it was time to do it in a different way, to put it into a book rather than a live performance. What was what was the turning point or the tipping point for um, you
1: there? Exactly the same as with starting in comedy. An opportunity presented itself. Mm. I um, got a call from a publisher and they go, hi, do you want to go for coffee? And I went, yeah, sure. And um, then this lady said, you know, for the past three years she's been coming because every year I write a new festival story. Um, and it's all about my life or things that I've, ex- I've experienced and, you know, it's just basic stand-up, but everything that I've, of course, mine is a storytelling type of, um, you know, joke telling. And um,
2: mm.
1: he goes, I've been to the past three shows of yours, and um, I think if you put that, just your past shows in a book, it'll be really interesting, you know, sort of just learning about South Africa and, you know, your journey to mm. basically starting a comedy. And I went, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've got time for that. She goes, I think it'll be a great opportunity. <laughs> and I goes, Damn it, you've got me a great Yeah, she,
0: she said the magic words.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? How hard can it be, honestly? I write all the time. Like, I literally have a notepad with me, and I'm juggling. And let me tell you, it is extremely hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> extremely hard. That's famous last words. <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs>
1: honestly, because I... Also, oh, my brother and I saw this movie when we were kids and uh, the the whole theme throughout the movie is this girl just saying, if they can do it, I can do it, or it can't be done.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So my brother and I sort of have that, that saying with each other the whole time. If anything comes up, I go, if they can do it, we can do it, or it mm. can't be done. Um, but I tell you what, writing a book was one of the hardest things I've ever done in like, wow, the that's, that's really good Because when I started, I thought, I'll just skim around the edges you know like a pebble on the water but then I've read autobiographies where mm. you don't learn anything from the person and I go oh that's really boring like yeah, I don't yeah. just finish a book and go I've learned nothing from you mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm also kind of you know uh, sort of ripped in half with this because I'm very private um, as a person but then I thought I need to open up, if I'm going to do it, in for in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. So um, I did. I revealed a lot of myself in the book, and I thought, um, you know, at the end of the book, I also say, this is the last book I'll ever write. It <laughs> <laughs> was so hard, you know. You sort of have to revisit things in your life that you didn't even, some stuff you can't even remember, and then it's like a ripple effect. One thing opens another door mm. and another door. And can,
0: can we just compare yeah, it to, yeah. you You were saying earlier that you prepare a new hour each year. So yeah. uh, obviously that's an ongoing process, but uh, could you com- compare the pair? So how long does it take you to prepare in a, a new hour versus this book? How long did you work on the book versus an hour of stand-up?
1: Um, well, that's a, because an hour of stand-up is like how long is a piece of strength? Right, I, right. I've written an hour of stand-up in two days before, because I've, <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. For <laughs> me, I, can, I can easily, you know, put put off writing the hour. I mean, it's, the whole time it's in my head. Yeah. Like, I think about it the whole time. And it was the same with a book. I kept putting it off. The only difference is when you write stand-up, you can just, you know, write the idea down and formulate the story in your head. Whereas with a book, you can't give people you know, a guide rope and a torch and go, get in my brain, it's in there somewhere.
2: Yeah, uh, okay.
1: You know, you can't talk to every person about it, so you kind of have to put it out and, and, and you know, word for word and put it out in a way that makes sense to people. Because yeah. It's amazing once you start typing and you read it back, you go, oh, what, my brain and my hands don't actually work together. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to try and, you know, rejig your own life and make it Make it look like it makes sense because everything just kind of comes out of you like you've had a big night and it just kind of falls out of your head. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go, oh, I need to make sense of this and put all the carrot pieces together and all the corn pieces together.
0: Yep, yep. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, um... Let's changing gears a little bit. I noticed on your Instagram recently that uh, you received a jam jar opener in the mail. In the mail, rather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how has that improved your life? And uh, what other unsolicited gifts have you received from your fans? Oh uh,
1: look, I've received everything from that uh, jam jar opener because, as you know, uh, I, I did this bit about um, how lesbians are the true victims, you know, in relationships because we're the only ones that can't get into jam jars because we don't have the strength in our hands. <laughs> so I started sending me tips on how to open jam and jam jar openers and they're like, don't get a man. <laughs> like, I just hear yeah, about my dog. I'll put these dog food in the mail from people um, or, or everything. You know, I've, I've got DVDs from people. Yeah, And then Friends of mine go, sometimes I'll just get really weird, or photos of their kids or whatever. And people go, Why do you put your address? Because I've got my postal address on my website. Yeah. Because, Why do you put that on your website? I go, So that I have these things, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sure I have a connection with people. Because I'm so, I'm like, Come on, get in touch with me,
0: write me. Yeah, touch Come. base,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. That's awesome. And, yeah, they send me titles part- I got a memory stick last week of oh. um, somebody's favourite playlist.
0: Oh, I hate it. They just send and
1: they go, this is my favourite song." I'm like, that's
0: great. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Playlist. That's really, really cool. That's excellent. Um, you need the jam jar because you live with your wife and you're lucky that you, you live in New Zealand so you're able to marry your wife. Um, yeah. here, here in Australia, we just had Mardi Gras in Sydney about not two weeks ago. It was a wonderful, you know, glittery and, and loving affair, but we still don't have marriage equality in this country. Um, do you feel like you have a responsibility um, to comment on that when you come and do stand up here in Australia? Yeah,
1: I do, and I do every time I get the <laughs> opportunity. Well, yeah. I like You don't have marriage equality because it's weird. It's like when you talk to, you know, or when you hear about segregation or, you know, it just feels so archaic and, you know, how can you not have it? Yeah. It's it's like when you go to someone's house and you go, um, do you have anything basic that you can think of? Do you guys have bread? No, we don't do bread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In my life, I can't do this with you. I don't know what you like. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you meet another adult and you go, "Do you want to go for coffee?" and they go, "I don't drink hot drinks.
0: Yeah, how weird is that? What is that? <laughs> You're an
1: adult drink a hot drink? Yeah. Jesus. So that to me is is marriage equality. It's that foreign and strange. It's like you should have it. I. I was amazed that New Zealand took so long to get with us. They were the first country in the world to give women the right to vote. Mm. And we've only been able to get married since 2013. Mm. That's embarrassing.
0: Mm. It's well,
1: African nations that have had it longer. Really? Yeah. So Africa has had it since 2005.
0: Oh, man. That's, oh, we are on the wrong side of history here. Well, um, keep finding the good fight for us, Ursula. We need your, um, your commentary on this to, to keep pushing it further. Um, just quickly, as, just as we come to the end of the interview, what can we uh, expect from your latest show? What can audiences expect from um,
1: your show? Um, so everything that I deem unacceptable. which some of it's homophobia, some of it's racism, and some of it's as basic as people not knowing what to do at the top of escalators. It's like, you've got the whole ride up to plan if you're going left or right. Those are your only two options. Just move it. Don't stand at the top going, where are you guys want to go? I want you to move. That's what I want you to do. I want you to just move and not block the escalator. Like, there's no pause on this thing. Get out of the way. Yeah. Or don't talk to your mates in the door of the shop. Yeah, I'm going to click my tongue at you, but that's all I'll do because I'm passive-aggressive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just keep flying the radar, keep it subtle. But you know, they'll, they'll, they'll think back to, like, what was that woman clicking at us? Oh, oh, we, we should have moved. We should have moved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I encourage everyone to move themselves to go and see your show, Ursula. Uh, you're coming to Sydney on the 1st of July at the Enmore Theatre. Thank you so much for joining us here on Blitz. Um, and we wish you all the best on your appearance on uh, Channel 10's The Project this evening. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for